The Dental Brief is brought to you by Omni Premier Marketing and the amazing guests who bring wisdom and advice that you can put to use to take your business and practices to the next level. Find us on Facebook and join the conversation. Get ready to grow because we are kicking off the next episode in three, two, one. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Dental Brief. I'm so excited for today's guest. We've had a great uh, fun uh, on his uh, website. And of course, as everyone knows, I'm thrilled when dentists take the time to share with other dentists. Dr. Martin Mendelssohn, say hello to everyone. Well, good morning or good afternoon or good evening, depending on when you're listening. <laughs> right? Yeah, it could be any time. I got the name right, right? It's Mendelssohn? That's correct. Yes, absolutely. I usually, I usually ask a few times before we start recording, but that one seems simple. As soon as I said it, I was like, oh, watch, I'm way off on this. So, no I, you know, for those that don't know you, you're a dentist. Tell us, how did you become a dentist? How did you get involved in dentistry? So I became in dentistry. I became involved in dentistry at the age of 16, believe it or not. My, my dear first cousin, Barry, called me one day. He was in medical school at the time. And he said, do you ever consider dentistry? Hadn't. Very next day, talked to my high school advisor, my friend Amy, who I'm still in touch with, overheard the conversation about dentistry. And she said, and I quote, my uncle owns a dental practice and wants me to suck spit all summer and I don't want to do it. Can you help me out? So at 16 years of age, that's how I started in dentistry. Worked in that dental practice all throughout high school, college, and even dental school breaks. And then went into private practice uh, outside Baltimore, Maryland for almost 10 years. Yeah. The Fantastic. So you've kind of varied. Do you still practice today or have, or have you just moved on to coaching and pumping a dentist up across the country? I wish, I wish I could. The answer is no. I ended up, I was actually misdiagnosed for about seven years. I had challenges with my hand. And mm. so it, it kind of booted me out of, of the practice of dentistry, which has led me to another path that has really, really brought a lot of joy to my life. Um, yeah. Seven. It seems like you love what you do and that's fantastic. We're going to get into that here in just a minute. I want to point out your website real quick. It's martinmendelson.com. When you go to the website, you'll quickly start to get uh, learn a little bit more about the, your personality, your character, and, and who you are and what you do. I know you do a lot of speaking across the country, so you're talking to dentists across the country, helping them change, helping them get out of ruts, get out of yep. pits, get on steady paths. Tell me, what are some of the big challenges that you see right now? What's a thing after you speak somewhere that someone comes up to you and they're like, Hey, I'm really struggling with this. What's that look like? Today? The it's a great question. And I will tell you the the biggest challenge that people face that they think is the challenge, which isn't the challenge is their team. And there's a lot of challenges with team out there right now. And what I will tell you is the the true challenge is actually leadership. And that's not to say that there aren't bad apples out there relative to team. And there's great diamonds out there relative to team as well. But as, as we all know here, we weren't trained in leadership in dental school. And so not only were we not trained in leadership, we weren't trained in communication. And so one of the biggest challenges I see is lack of transparency in communication, lack of openness in communication. And when problems arise, they get swept under a rug. And then eventually someone ends up exploding yeah. to the detriment of everybody involved. One, one of my private coaching clients who's a dentist that I was helping navigate through some of these challenges, things had kind of bubbled up. And when they started the conversation, you know what the team member said when they walked in the office? What? One word. They, they looked at this doc and the office manager and said, what? 
And we work through that to get to the other side, but it's a symptom of a greater problem of lack of transparency and communication, which we were not trained on in dental sure. school. Yeah. And, and nobody really is right. And that's, it is difficult. It's something that I think is, I actually think that having candid conversations with people that you want to avoid. So everybody knows what that conversation, those types of conversations are. And everyone avoids conversations yep. that need to be had at some level. Some are, do it less than others, but I think everybody does it a little bit. It's an ongoing thing, right? This isn't something yep. that you just like pick up and you're like, oh, now I'm, now I'm not afraid to talk about anything. That's correct. That's correct. It's it's a journey, not a destination. I, I, I will very humbly admit that prior to beginning my journeys in, in coaching and communication and facilitation, I, I looking back, I was a terrible communicator. Right. And, you know, I'd like to offer your audience a gift right now of a book to read, which changed my life. And I didn't write it. It's called Crucial Conversations. You can right. actually get to it uh, off my website in the books I love section. If to make your life easy, that one book completely changed the trajectory of my life because it showed me a methodology and a framework of how to tackle those conversations, regardless of how emotionally charged they were. And it helped me remove myself from the emotional element of said conversation to get to the other side. Yeah. And so it's a wonderful book that, that can be life changing for those that embrace it. Yeah. You know, I'm on, I'm looking at your book list. Crawled through quite a few of these fantastic, fantastic lists. So check it out again, audience. It's a Martin um, Mendelssohn.com forward slash books. Definitely want you to check that out. So <clears throat> here's what I know happens from my own experiences, sometimes from others telling me and from me personally. But one of the things that drives me crazy in any type of retail business is when I see trash and I mm -hmm. see a wrapper, I see something that's just like that. And people walk by and you'll watch this happen. Yeah. Over and over and over and over and over again. You're like, pick up, pick up that piece of trash. Like you're walking by and it looks like trash. Pick it up. It's yep. two seconds. And so I'm the type of person that in the past and maybe a little bit today would watch people not pick up that trash forever, that same type of thing. And then one day go, what the frig, right? And maybe not say <laughs> frig. And then the next thing you know, it's like, wow, this is like, this is like a sociopath, right? Or this is like schizophrenia or, or, or something along those types mm -hmm. of lines, right? And I think that's a situation that happens with a lot of people when you brush things under the rug and you let it go. And then one day you call it out. It actually makes people look really, really bad when the whole time they're trying to be the nice guy, right? Is that a yeah. symptom that you're, you've seen this a lot? Oh, absolutely. And it's it's a cultural thing. And and basically it feeds right back to the whole crucial conversation thing. Cause how, how do you end up addressing something like that? Yeah. Um, I was just in South Carolina with uh, a huge group of individuals. I'm sorry. I wasn't in Raleigh. I was in Greenville and with a huge group of individuals with Greenville Perio. And, you know, we were running through a scenario like that because let, if, if there's an understanding, a standard, a protocol in the office that, you know, when you finish with a patient, you process the instruments, you, clean, disinfect, and sterilize them, but you come into the room and, and all of a sudden there's instruments there, you know, you, you, you have two choices. You can, well, three, I guess you could ignore it. Like you were talking about with a piece of trash, you can address it poorly or you can address it effectively. Right. So you could look at the person and go, why the heck are you leaving this again for the third time? Right. Or you could look at them and say, Hey, listen, I noticed that, you know, three times today there were instruments left in the sterilization room. I don't want you to think for a minute. I don't appreciate how busy we all are. 
And I want you to talk about this because it's kind of a problem. So I'm looking to get your point of view on the situation. Right. You know, from my perspective, when I walk in and I see dirty instruments, that's against our protocol. It really makes me upset and makes me wonder what the heck is going on. So, you know, in the spirit of just trying to, you know, get through the day, what's what's going on? It's a right. bit of a different response, isn't it? Sure. Yeah. You mentioned bringing it up effectively. I think you, I, I forget the other word. I think you might have said it inefficiently or poorly, something along those lines. Mm-hmm. Um, for those people that won't bring it up at all, right? For the person yeah. that just like lets it go because they don't want the, they don't want the yeah. conflict, they don't want the friction. Yeah. That's that's an internal issue, right? Like that's Absolutely. something that needs to be solved before you can. Absolutely. And, and, into and truthfully, it's one of the most transformative things that I work with with teams. And so, you know, I, I went through some extraordinary training with Jen Barley and Karen Sullivan, who are coaches not in dentistry, but with Fortune 5 companies like Dyson and BMW. And I've been trained on how to facilitate a conversation in a dental practice around an alliance or a constitution, if you will, where we sit there and we talk about, okay, what kind of practice do we want to show up to every day? How do we want to show up when there are challenges? And how are we going to keep each other accountable? And we come up with a safe word, which usually is pineapple. Don't ask me why it's the most ubiquitous safe word. And so what it does is it gives the practice a framework a place to go to when things go south, even with the people that don't want to say anything, because it gives uh, psychological safety to the person that's too afraid to speak up because they know that that's in place. And it gives somebody who's a little bit more forward, more, shall we say, respectful way to kind of bring it up by engaging the safe word, because we've all agreed how we want to work together and the fact that we're going to keep each other accountable by bringing those challenges to everybody's attention. It can change the face of an entire practice. Give me a real world situation on a, write a script for the safe word type of thing and how that's applied so I understand that better. Yeah, so basically the alliance is created by a facilitated discussion where we talk about what words signify what kind of practice we wanna show up to every day. Fun, engaging, you know, creating great patient care, you know, those kind of things. How do we want to show up when there are challenges? Respectful, kind, listening, having a pause, not overreacting. And then how do we want to keep each other accountable? Sometimes those words are a little bit repetitive, but how do we want to keep each other accountable? I've heard immediately, respectfully, kindly, not with jumping to conclusions. And so what ends up happening is when the safe word is engaged, They've had this experience of this 60 to 90 minute conversation with that alliance that is on the wall. Most of my clients blow it up poster size so that they understand and respect that we're here to help each other. We're not here to, we're here to help each other and help our patients and we're not here to, to make life difficult. So Mm -hmm. to give you an example, I know one of my clients in the San Francisco Bay area, I I worked with them, created an alliance. And after I left about two weeks after, I was told that there were two individuals kind of going at it in the hall. Yeah. And a third individual came by, noticed what was going on, said pineapple, and it stopped the two in their tracks. And it caused them to pause. It caused them to step back. And they were able to actually work through that challenge because that trigger was engaged. And they were like, oh, yeah, this isn't how we agreed to work together. It's it's right. a magical thing. You know, I could be getting us into some trouble here with what I'm going to bring up next, but I, I find the presidential debates, it doesn't matter which one or any debates, actually, I find them highly entertaining to watch. Yeah. 
like right from a like in a sports entertainment kind of point of view. And last night I was watching the debate. So today's the 28th of September when we're recording this. So it's the Wednesday, the 27th. And sure. one of the candidates said to another candidate after she, you can figure out who that is, attacked <laughs> one of something that he believes in or that he's promoting or what happened and attacked him. Yeah. And, he said, and he said back, you can attack me personally all you like, you know, like another, but it wasn't a personal attack. It was literally a, it was literally not an attack either, but if it was, it was on one of his ideas, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of people feel personally attacked when they're really not being attacked, right? They're just, they're making an error. They don't know, they don't understand, mm -hmm. or they are just an idea person. If you're an idea person, you have lots of bad ideas that are wrong right? to come up with one. So how can you, how can you present to a way where they're not going to feel personally attacked? And then people do need to develop some layer of skin. So they're not feeling yeah. attacked too. How does that happen? How do you make that work? That's a great question. And, and it's almost like we planted this, but we didn't because I had no idea you were going here. Yeah. You, you actually kind of hit at the core of my teachings. Yeah. Because the truth of the matter is, is that we all come to the table with our own beliefs, values, perspectives, and life experiences. And we see everything through the lens of those factors. Right. And so what I love to say is there's no I in team, but there is me. And us as me's have a responsibility to our thoughts, our speech, and our actions. And so what I actually end up helping teams to understand is, in, in the words of Viktor Frankl, who wrote Man's Search for Meaning, Holocaust survivor, neurologist, psychiatrist, there's a space between stimulus and response. And in that space lies your freedom to choose. And in that choosing is actually what's going to guide your life. And so what I teach is, Every single thing that happens in life, particularly within the dental office, is neutral. It's your thoughts that you put to it that give it the power. And if you choose to think that this person is coming at you personally, rather than giving that room in your head as just simply an option through curiosity, like, wow, are they coming at me personally? Is there something else to this? What might I have done to contribute to this? Let me ask the question. And so... Again, nod to Jen Barley and Karen Sullivan. They have a trademarked acronym called TFAR. Thoughts lead to feelings, actions, and results. And so TFAR guides the entirety of the interactions within a dental practice. And what I'll say to the clinicians on this, and maybe there are teams here too, the, the doctors that are engaged in the practice, that have taken the liability, that have gone through the education, that have the loans, are, are from a certain frame of reference of life experience, financial uh, resources, et cetera. The, the team is in a different place. That's not a bad thing. It just is. Educationally, financial resources, life experience, depending on their, their particular situation. And we need to respect and understand that the me's in the organization, us as individuals, we're going to react differently to the exact same stimulus. So if we can have an open conversation around, you know what, we're all going to agree that we're going to consider things neutral. We're, we're going to identify that we're, we may get emotionally involved at times, mm -hmm. but we, we're going to make a commitment that to the best of our ability, because we're not going to be 100%. <laughs> we're 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 going to do our best not to take things personally and be curious enough to think about what could be an alternative reasoning for that person's actions, statements or or feelings. 
Yeah, makes total sense to me. I got one more difficult question for you. You know, I was looking through the photos on your website. I'm going to put it out there again, martinmetalson.com. Of course, we'll link it on social and our website too. But I saw a photo on your website that looked like as a some, I'm sure as a practice you're at, you're a group you're at. There was one person that I could tell that was like, I wish I wasn't here. Everyone else was thrilled to be here. You got type of, and you know who you are. When you yeah. go to an event and you have to get up and high five someone next to you, or you have to dance for a little bit or do something mm-hmm. silly like that, which is yeah. trying to create some type of energy. So people take in what they're hearing. I get it. But if you're that person that is like, just not there, tell me why they need to open up, let down their guard a little bit and try to learn more about leadership through these types of ways. I'm going to actually flip the answer slash question and yeah. say to you, um, something that took me a long time to truly and honestly embrace. You're not going to win with everyone. No, Everyone's coming from their own place and that's got to be okay. Right. Um, you know, I, I'm also very proudly a member of the resident faculty of Spear Education. I've been with Spear for 13 years. Um, and, you know, at one point I ran the totality of our study club division. And I remember a number of years ago when I was creating some of the launch protocols and the leader training and so forth. I had a meeting with Dr. Spear and, and he said something effective. He said, look, listen, Martin, I've been running study clubs for decades. You're always going to have the individual that's going to be in the corner that's just there for the beer and pizza. And you got to be okay with that. And so what I'm going to say to you is from a performance perspective, it's not okay within the dental office. However, at the same time, you're, you're not going to necessarily win with everyone. And I say that because of this. Their actions, their behaviors, their apparent lack of engagement cannot, should not, and forevermore cannot, I know that's redundant, uh, guide what it is you're doing. Because we need to play to the majority, not the minority. Right. And if you have one individual on your team that doesn't seem to be engaging, that 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 isn't, you know, participating, et cetera, we, we can't skew the whole day to them because they're going to bring everybody down. Yeah. We got to do the best we can to like lift everybody up. And, and what I will tell you is that what I've seen is more times than not, when they start to see how everybody else is engaging, the rising tide rises all ships and they come up to where everybody else is because they realize that all of a sudden they're the odd person out. To yeah. use it right. Makes sense to me. Dr. Mendelson, I'm sorry, our time's about up here. No um, one more time, martinmendelson.com. Check out the website, learn more. This stuff can can change your life as far as stress, headaches, pain, heartache, heartbreak, and all of that. So I recommend diving deep here. Dr. Mendelson, thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you for having me. It was a pleasure.